welcome to the Real Estate Raw Show, hosted by Joe Mendoza. Hi guys, Joe Mendoza here in sunny San Diego. Welcome to my show. Thanks so much for watching, subscribing, sharing the good word. Today, ladies and gentlemen, great, great story to share. Great experience. Originally was living in Oregon, moved recently, acquired a mobile home park, 60 Spaces, Rome. Lingenfelter, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing today? Excellent. Excellent. Thanks so much for being on the show. Excited to hear your story and talk about some of the good, the bad, the ugly about some of the different experiences you had in real estate. Ready to get going? Absolutely. Let's get it. All right. Let's get it on. So my audience don't know you. Let's start from the beginning. Before real estate, who is Rome? So I started off as a teacher. Um, I taught psychology at a university for three or four years. Um, I taught English as a second language in Japan for about four or five years. And then I came back and didn't really know what I wanted to do when I came back from overseas and um, just hated cubicle life. And so I started actually working at a grocery store, Trader Joe's, and I was a a manager with Trader Joe's for 16, almost 16 years. Wow. <laughs> These are some of my favorite places. You mentioned Japan and Trader Joe's. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> what part of Japan were you in? So I started out in the southern region, region of Kyushu, so which is um, down south. Uh, I was there for a year. I was uh, an exchange instructor, professor for Montana State University. And then I came back to the States for not quite a year and then went back for three years. And I was actually in Northern Japan, the Tohoku region out of Sendai. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Their culture is amazing. Amazing, I absolutely loved it. Um, I studied martial arts while I was there. That was the purpose for me going. And I came back with my, my teaching certificate, my black belt in Aikido. Oh, wow. That's interesting. <laughs> it was, it was I, good times. Yeah, yeah. I just had another uh, amazing um, real estate professional, Damien, um, that was on a show recently, uh, talked about Aikido as well. So that's great. That's great. It's great. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's talk real estate. So you flipped about 24 homes. Yep. You recently bought a mobile home park. Yep. So tell us about this little journey from being in the corporate world, cubicle world, what was the thing that kind of like, hey, you know what, let's start exploring. Did you jump feet in uh, into the deep end or did you start part time? What was kind of the transition like? It's a really good question. Uh, so what got me into real estate was my wife. Uh, I got married in 04 and uh, she, of course, handed me a little book by Kiyosaki, which I read. And although the books were interesting and I got a lot out of them, what really kind of set fire was the board game. So I played a lot of Cashflow 101 um, with anybody that I could get to play with me. You know, it's like the new kid with the toy. And so um, I did a lot of that. Um, when I met my wife, she owned the home that she was in and she had one rental soon after we bought another house. And by providence or luck, or I had a little bit of intuition, we sold all three of our properties uh, at the end of 2006, 2007. So we got out before the market crashed and we're really, really lucky um, and positioned ourselves so that uh, she's really good at knowing when to get in. I'm kind of good at knowing when to get out. So it's a good team. 
and so we got back in and we bought our own place again. And everything that we've ever owned has always been better because we've owned it. Um, you know, pride of ownership, cleaning it up, making it look nice. And so we started our own real estate company in 2012 and started flipping houses in the Portland area. And just kind of over the next six, seven years, just kind of worked our way through it, made our mistakes. Um, the first house that we bought, uh, we wholesaled for $30,000. And I think we were the only ones who made money on that property. The people who bought it, it was an ego buy on their play and they did the wrong improvements and held on to it way too long. And, um, and again, I mean, I, I look back on those deals and I think should never have done that. That would, I would not, if I gave advice to my, you know, my 30 year old self, I would be like, don't do it. Don't, don't, but we did and we got lucky. And so, I mean, I think there's something to be said for, uh, you know, fortune favors the bold. So now, now you said something about like, you know, when to get out and yep. you did very, very well. What are some of the clues that you typically look for? Like, Hey, it's time to hit that eject button. Well, I'll be honest with you. I thought I, things had been frothy for a while. Like when everybody has the same opinion, I start to think things aren't, I mean, everybody thinks the good times are going to go on forever. That's when I, I get this kind of, itch in the back of my neck, like pay attention what's going on when it's super easy for everybody to get cheap money. Um, I'm just like, I would rather sell a little bit early or a lot early and kind of hold and wait for things to happen. But I mean that, and I watch the indicators, I watch housing. I really like the VIX, you know, when the fear starts to rise, it's like, mm, something's not quite right. But you know, I was, we, we were able to get out and invest uh, in metals, fortunately, and those did really well. And, and then, you know, just kind of watching the ebb and flow of the market and surrounding myself with really good people. Like that's been good mentors, good coaches, and not having to be the smartest person in the room. That's awesome. Now you said your wife was a good influence on the real estate Absolutely. Was she a realtor, investor? Did she study real estate in college? What was kind of her background? That's a good question. So she was a hairdresser for when she got out of hairdressing. She'd been a hairdresser for 25 years. And I think she had seen it in some of her family members. They had, um, I want to say particularly her mother-in-law, um, saw her saw her kind of just like buy a house live in it fix it up turn it to a rental get another one so her mother-in-law had four or five um and so she just looked at it and she was like mm, i think there's something going on there and so she was completely committed when i met her and she's a very passionate person and she's a great salesperson i say that she could sell water to a fish um but she just was like, here, get educated about this. Okay. And I had the, the stable and steady job. And she just, we used, you know, we, we've always been really good at not spending everything that we earned. And so we just put away and put away. And when the opportunities came up, we were able to, you know, put some money together and make some stuff happen. So, I mean, part of it, you could be like, oh, you were so lucky. And other parts of it, like, well, we had the, the wherewithal to take advantage of when, you know, the luck presented itself. So she didn't go to college, um, but she just kind of has a knowing about her. She has 
vision. She has really good vision. And That's so awesome. I know when to listen. <laughs> How long have you guys been together? So together, 17, married for 16, and we have a 13-year-old son. Nice. So you know each other really, really well, it sounds like. Really well. Really well. In fact, inside of COVID, maybe too well. Like when we moved to the Midwest, uh, we don't have any family out here. So it's just myself, my wife, my son, and we actually brought my mother-in-law as well. So it's the four of us and we all work on the team. Everybody contributes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now you said you bought a place very local, close to the mobile home park that you invested in. Yes. Was this something like, hey, I'm going there and I'm going to buy this park and now I'm going to buy my home or is it like a little bit of dumb luck? What was kind of the strategy behind the move? Uh, so I had, we'd been doing research on mobile home parks for a couple of years. I'm a big fan of getting educated about something before you jump in. Uh, and it was really important to me to have a feel for it. Um, my wife has more vision and she tends to be kind of jump in and figure it out as you go. Uh, so let's see, we started negotiating, um, and had a good feel about it. Um, thought we were going to put it together. We had done a 1031 exchange. We had some property in the Oregon market and we 1031 exchange only to find out that the people we were going to buy the, uh, the park from said, Oh, by the way, we can't sell it in. 2019 because of tax reasons it'll cost us 100 grand so we have to hold off so my 1031 failed i'm like oh, this wow. is going to cost me 60 grand wow. um but we figured out that it was in an opportunity zone and then all of the hoops that we had to jump through and figure out how to open our own opportunity zone fund and it's just it seems like Providence looking back, it's easy to kind of pull a string through it and be like, Oh, well, you know, it all worked out for the best, but boots on the ground. It's like, I remember after the, it failed, it was in the middle of November and somebody said, you have to have the money in the bank on December 31st, not before, not after on that day. And I couldn't find a banker that would open an opportunity zone fund mostly because they didn't know what it is. And bankers are conservative and they're like, no, nah, don't want to have anything to do with it. So, I mean, talked, talked, asked questions and finally asked the right person the right question and got into the right spot and got the money put in and, you know, everything just kind of slid into space. But we actually came out here and bought our house before we closed on the park. Um, COVID kind of put us off and their scale or their schedule um, threw us off. So we didn't close until the end of April. But um, fortunately, it was a good enough deal. And, you know, if you buy a good enough deal, you can afford to, to make some mistakes. But we took enough equity out of the Oregon market that we were able to buy a house here, get settled in. But I mean, again, so many things went wrong. We came here racing in front of a blizzard only to arrive thinking the truck was going to show up three days later. And a month later, the truck showed up. Wow. Now let's talk a little bit about this because uh, ears are probably ringing right now with Opportunity Zone and Mobile Home Park. You know, yep. this is something that like, why this asset class? And tell us a little bit more about the Opportunity Fund, Opportunity Zone Fund. So as I understand an Opportunity Zone, um, as you get into it, you don't necessarily have to pay the tax as you get into it. Uh, it's a government uh, 
sponsored by the federal government, but the states get to decide where the zones are. And basically there are areas where they want economic development. And so if you go in and you leave your money in for 10 years, when you go to sell, there's no taxes on any of the, uh, the profits or the earnings that you make. So pretty incredible. Um, and so the reason we got into, we are big believers in affordable housing and we also like the multifamily, but feel like apartments are so kind of overbought. I mean, there's definitely opportunities out there, but um, I guess for us, the difference between multifamily like apartment units is that they have about 50% expenses. Whereas if you can get a mobile home park and run it correctly, you can have 30% expenses. And so 20% is a big deal. If you can stick that in your pocket, I mean, that makes your money work very, very hard for you. So there's just this opportunity. And the more we learned about mobile home parks, we realized the thing about mobile home parks is they're not making any more of them. I mean, they might make two or three a year in the nation, but by and large, uh, counties, cities, they don't like them. You know, there's a stigma attached to them, but what they don't realize is when people move in 95% of the time, those mobile homes never leave that park. And so in order to move it costs roughly five grand. And so people, they just never move out. That's awesome. Now you said it's a 60 space. It uh, is. Yep. How, how many of it's owned um, the actual box is owned by the per person renting the space versus you possibly owning the boxes? Sure. So it's tenant owned versus park owned. Oh. Um, we are believers in the model of tenant owned, uh, mostly because we don't want to pay the, basically the upkeep, all the maintenance on those homes. So we are going about, uh, we do some variation, staying within the laws, of course, um, a rent to own, a lease option, basically. And so people come in and of course you try and have them put as much money down as possible in the beginning. And then they hold it for several you know, years. They'll pay it off, say look, roughly five to six years. But honestly, we don't need to make any money at all on the homes. We're really playing the pad rent game. That's where every time we rent a new pad, uh, when we took over the park, there were 33 paying tenants so, and the lot rents were roughly $200 a pad. And the, the really good play here is to fill up the park. So have, I guess, add 27 more mobile homes. And then, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of help for that in the environment, um, specifically like 21st Mortgage. And there's several other big players who, are committed to loaning on mobile homes themselves. And so they kind of work that out with the tenant buyers. And then when they own it, we just keep on collecting rent. And then over time, uh, I think our market rents right now are right around 335. So we raised our initial rents uh, by almost $50. We raised $40 and also the tenants picked up uh, the garbage. So instead of having a dumpster, just like probably at your house, I'm guessing that you have a, a toter at your house, one of those plastic garbage pails. Yes, yes. And you want the same thing. So we turned around and got them toters and then turned around and passed on that, that charge them. So again, all of those monies go to the bottom line and uh, just drive up the cap rate. 
That's awesome. So I'm glad you mentioned that. What was the actual performing cap rate on acquisition? So we bought it at an 8.5 cap. Nice. And uh, since the, we've done the improvements and we've brought in five new mobile homes um, that have various needs of repair. And then we're going to start bringing in new mobile homes here soon. Um, we're running at about 11 cap right now. And once we're going to be full, it'll be closer to 14. Wow. Good job. So, <laughs> so and awesome. there's different things that we're doing as well. Like some people want to have three cars and, you know, so it's like, oh, okay, well you can rent this lot. And there's lots of little ways to help people win. Like we're not in the game to rent lots or little parking spots, but at the end of it are for us, it's going to be a buy and hold. This is definitely, this is the kick to get us out of the rat race. So this is your long game. This is our long game. That's it. So, and we're, we've been super fortunate, super blessed to my wife again, can sell water to a fish, uh, really good at building rapport. Like the lady who sold us this park, it was a brother and sister, um, she was just about to retire and he'd been retired for about 10 years. Um, it was just driving her crazy and she just didn't have the wherewithal to do it anymore. And so the first two months of interaction, she couldn't, my wife couldn't even get her on the phone. She would just text and just establishing that trust. And really my wife always says, align yourself with the seller. And so really like, what are your concerns? What are your thoughts? How can I, help and really like not being so worried about the deal. Um, again, I'm, I'm going to say Amy, Amy always says, you know, focus on the relationships and the money will come. Now, so, was it self-managed you're saying? Um, so the owners managed it. Um, the, their father originally built it in the fifties. Um, but he never taught his kids how to run it. And so when he passed it away, it just spiraled down. And so when we wow. got it, there was a lot of deferred maintenance. It also has a six unit apartment building attached to it as well. Interesting. So, now, was it an off market or on market deal? Off market. Wow. Well, how did you deals are off market. How did you figure that out? Were you just sending mailers, cold calling? What were you doing to find it? It's a great question. We listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, we've been thinking about moving to the Midwest for a while. Uh, we're big believers in kind of raise your, your money in equity markets and then put it to work in the Midwest. Um, if anybody wants to talk to me about this, I'm happy to talk to you about it. There's tons of opportunity there. Um, but the, the, the most important thing, so we met somebody who was doing that in this market and we're really impressed by his story and his authenticity and his integrity. And so we went in a partnership with, with my, our friend, Mike. And uh, so we had an apartment building here and this is in a growing area. I mean, we really did a lot of research on the, the area. It's, there's a university here, there's lots of government money here. So, I mean, it's, it doesn't fluctuate regardless of how the economy is doing. So just for example, last month I had not just a hundred percent collections. I have four people who have paid further into the future. So I'm like at 110% collections. Nice. Good stuff. Now, are you doing any uh, additional value ads or uh, profit streams like laundry, renting out additional storage units or, a pet park, anything like that? 
So we are staying focused. So the, the main way to add value to this. So if you're at a 10 cap, uh, you get to multiply everything by 10. So for example, any new people coming into the park are uh, $325 a month. So take your 325, multiply, let's just say 300 by, by 12, then you're at 3,600, multiply that by 10. Every time you add a new pad, you add $36,000 of value to the park. Multiply that by 27. I mean, as the rents go up, and the mark, everything is going up. I mean, when we get to 400 or 450, I mean, this park's gonna be worth over 5 million bucks. Wow, good job, good job. But you, you asked those questions, I'm sorry, about laundry mats and, and right. pets and all that kind of stuff. Um, our biggest challenge was getting rid of vicious breed dogs, because a lot of people wanna own pit bulls and insurance companies don't like vicious breeds. Um, but we, we looked at um, adding more pads to the park but the local county was like, sure, you can add pads, but then your grandfathering goes away. And as soon as the grandfathering goes away, then we would like lose 12 pads, like right off the go because they're too close to the road. Like, so the old rules when they built it in the fifties don't apply here. So one of the things I am looking at is bringing in um, basically cable so that we would be the cable providers and then we would provide internet service to the whole park. And that's a really good possibility of a, another stream of income. But we're actually, we almost, we were that close to buying another mobile home park in the area. Uh, and unfortunately it fell out at the last minute simply because their initial numbers saying, hey, 95% of our park is full was actually only like 30% of their park was full. So. We weren't up for another heavy lift. Like we've got our hands full right now. Wow, that's awesome. Now, did you do any additional creative financing, hard money, JV syndications to help uh, close the deal? So we were fortunate. Um, I called around a lot. Uh, we got financed through one of the local banks. Um, the Unfortunately, the guy who helped us get it done, his father owns several mobile home parks in the Midwest, um, down in Florida, also owns some uh, mobile home park sites where you can go in and pick out your own mobile home. So we, we were blessed there. We have lots of hard money. I don't know, lots. We have a, a good portion of hard money that's available to us. And we've been using some of that to purchase mobile homes. But um, we're actually looking to, if, if this goes as smoothly as I, I think it's going to go, and that to be said, like, this is no cake ride. Like, it has been brutal. I mean, and we've learned a lot of hard lessons. Um, I don't want anybody to think like, oh my gosh, like I could do that. Absolutely, you could do that. But I have to tell you, we have failed forward over and over and over again. So as long as we're committed to not quitting, I mean, and I talked to a guy who has owned hundreds of mobile home parks, uh, was blessed enough to sit down with him at lunch. And I said, you've taught people how to do this for 25 years like what's the one characteristic that you see for successful people he said determination he's like if you don't quit you'll be successful it's not brains it's not money it's i mean it's none of the things that you know people are like oh they just lucked out like anybody can have determination it doesn't matter how smart you are and honestly like through the end of like we one of our 
companies is grit solutions because it just takes a ton of grit. And we have had so much sand kicked in our face and learned so many hard lessons. And it's just been over and over. Like you get humble, you pick yourself up, you learn from your lessons and you move on. So did that answer your question? Yeah. And in a roundabout way for sure. Now, how about some of the hard lessons you mentioned? Because you said that like three different times or more, what were some of the hard lessons you could share with the audience about mobile home parks? So the hardest, so that you have to realize what game you're in. So you're in the rent collection game. So as long as you're in the rent collection game, you just learn to play by the rules. And if you don't pay, then you can't stay. So it's, and you're not, you don't make it personal and, and, you know, you don't buy into people's tantrums. You're just like, look, these are the rules. And inevitably somebody's going to be late on rent. And so one of the things that I did is we, we have communicated with our tenants that we are the regional managers. So people in our area by and large don't know that we own the park. So people can relate to somebody of like, you know, look, you're just doing your job versus, you know, you're the man, you know, you're going to stick it to me. And so I've said, you know, Hey, the corporate office has given me this one time to give you permission. If you can't make rent or if you're late or whatever, if you want to sign up for an ACH or a direct withdrawal, I can give it away this one time, but they only allow me at one time. And by and large, if you're consistent with what your messaging is, I mean, I, you get really, really good collections. So that's been really my focus of playing that game. But as hard games, like initially they, the folks who sold us the park only wanted to sell us the park. They didn't want to sell the apartments, but if they would have separated and we just found out like the last minute they were about to go and get it all filed and they paid like eight grand to get it resurveyed and cut away and they were about to do it. And then we were like, Oh wait, hold on. If you get it surveyed, you lose all the grandfathering and then we can't afford to pay you what you're asking. So they actually had to sell us the six unit apartment building as well. Um, And we thought, yay, we're getting an apartment building. The deferred maintenance on that park building has been so hard. Like we budgeted 25, 30 grand for a new roof it costs close to 60 grand. Like that thing has just been an absolute, it's been a bear, but you know, we're, you know, we had enough capital set aside that it, it hasn't gooned us at all, but we're like, okay, some of those other things that we thought we're going to do, we were going to build a fence and we're going to, well, some of that we're going to put that off for a year or two. So that was been really, really tough. And lawyers like when we first came out it's like oh well you know you have to get a contract in the state that you're in and we're like okay so we had a contract that we knew was a good contract and we're like can you just twist this to work in the state that we're doing in and they were like sure we're happy to um you need to put down a thousand dollar retainer okay fine do it fine and they're like oh by the way the thousand dollars is gone i'm like you just had to tweak it. (laughs) You didn't have to write it. So it's just, people don't always have your best interest at heart and it always pays to ask questions. Um, That's awesome. And then of course, dealing with COVID and, you know, people who, I haven't had a lot, but I've had a few people try to take advantage of, you know, oh, look, I can't pay rent because of COVID. And they're like, well, so 
fortunately, we're in a very landlord friendly state. And, and I really appreciate that. So it's one of the reasons we chose to go where we are. Um, and there are states all around us that seem to think that just because you're in affordable housing doesn't mean that, you know, you have to give away the, the bank. I mean, the mortgage still needs to get paid. So I'm sure you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this has been great, Rome. I mean, you shared a lot, a lot of great nuggets for somebody who's considering mobile home park investing. Um, anything else that you wanted to share? Um, best way to get a hold of you? Anything like that? So, um, again, my name is Rome Lingenfelter. You can reach me at romeling22 at gmail.com. I'm happy to field questions. Um, really, uh, if I had advice, like one of the questions you asked that I thought was a really good question I was kind of going over is like, what advice would you give your younger self? I love that question. Um, and I think when you, everybody wants to get their first deal. And I think a really great, I mean, tattoo it on your arm that the deal has to be a hell yes or a no. Um, it's not like it's sort of a good idea because most people want to talk themselves into it. And you should ask two or three people around you that you trust. And if they don't know, then find people who know about deals. And they're like, wow, that's a good deal. And if you can get that from several people, then move forward. Don't be so in a hurry to do your first deal that you get yourself in backwards. Because we have always, every single time, made our money when we bought it and we realized it when we sold it. But just don't be in a hurry. It, it's going to happen. If, if we have been so fortunate and not got into some really, really bad deals simply by asking yourself, is this, is this a hell yes or no? And if it didn't pass the litmus test, it's like, I don't care if you want to do it. If it sounds like fun, it's a no. So that's, that's kind of the nugget that I would give away to people. Um, and then read lots of books and not just real estate books, like books that really get your head in a good place. I'm a big fan of the Miracle Morning, anything by Jen Sincero, um, Sam Zell, Am I Being Too Subtle, um, Surrender Experiment, like there's lots of good stuff, but if you can get your head straight, you can do this business. Wow. I love it. I love it, Rome. Thank you again so much for being on the show. My All pleasure. the best and hope uh, you get some more deals out there and uh, definitely left. maybe we'll have you back on the show. Or that, or talk to my wife, reach out to her. Cause I mean, as, as I've been in it, she has her own perspective and she's super entertaining. So <laughs> you are as well, Rome. So thank you so much. Right on. All right. Well, thank you again for your time. And if there's anything that I can do to help, I'm always interested to be of service. So thank you, sir. Of course. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I hope you learned as much as I did or more. So guys, look at the comment thread. If you've seen something or heard something, want to learn more about something, please put it on the comment link below. If you're not a subscriber yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and smash that bell to hear the latest and greatest on the show. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. I'm putting this channel together to hopefully add incredible value to you. And if you want to learn more about investing, you're new to investing, I highly recommend this book, Flex with a Plex. 
also this book if you're having some challenges as you can see everybody on the show had some kind of adversity including yours truly so i shared a lot of that on make it a comeback giving you some incredible tips to make a comeback so get either one flex with a plex or make it a comeback if you want to get more tips go ahead and go to joemendoza.com again subscribe share like make a comment below i really really appreciate you want to add incredible value and wish you all the best in your success in real estate and in life take care our company is not responsible for the success or failure of your business decisions relating to any information presented by our company or our company programs products and or services